Good morning. This morning's gospel reading is from the book of Mark 1, 9 through 13. It can be found on your pew Bible on page 867, or it's written in your bulletin. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was the wild beast, and the angels waited on him. The word of God for the people of God. So back when I went off to college, my mother gave me a gift. As I was on my way out the door, she handed me an alarm clock, which probably says something about who I was at that point in my life. And it also says something about my mother. My mother didn't just go out and get any alarm clock. My mother sprang for a really nice alarm clock. She went out and got a, a Sony CD player alarm clock, the kind of, of alarm clock that you could put a CD into and then wake up to your favorite music. And there was never any question about which album was going to go into that CD player or alarm clock. There was never any doubt which, which music I wanted to wake up to. There was never any question that the songs that I was going to wake up to were the songs from the Rocky soundtrack. Now, now, back in those days, I had a lot of early morning swim practices, and I didn't like getting out of bed early, but I discovered that nothing motivated me to get up. Nothing got me moving in the morning like, like this sound. Russ McMartin on the trumpet, everybody. Isn't he terrific? Isn't it wonderful having a musical church? I love that song. I love that music. That was what got my heart pumping. That was what motivated me to get up and do push-ups and crunches and get in the water at 5 o'clock in the morning back, back when I was in college. And I didn't, I didn't just love the Rocky music. I loved, I loved the Rocky movies. When I went off to college, I brought four VHS tapes with me. Rocky, Rocky 2, Rocky 3, and Rocky 4. Now, at that time, there were five Rocky movies, but everybody who knows and loves the Rocky series of movies knows that the fifth movie doesn't really count. And so I didn't bring that one. I didn't bring that one to college with me. Sometimes when I had a long paper to write, I would hold myself up in my dorm room and I would pop in those VHS tapes and I would have a day-long Rocky movie marathon. Of course, I didn't really need to watch the movies. I had them memorized. I knew them. I knew them all by heart. And besides, with the Rocky movies, it's really just the same story over and over again with a little bit of a twist each time. And my favorite, my favorite parts of the Rocky movies were always, of course, were always the training montage, right? Right. So in every Rocky movie, there's a moment when Rocky is getting ready for, for a big fight and, and the music starts to play and we see Rocky doing all of these ridiculous feats of physical exertion in order to train himself and prepare himself for this fight, right? So we see Rocky running through the streets of Philadelphia and, and we see Ronnie training in a dark and grimy gym and, and we see Rocky 
rocky beating on, on sides of beef in a, in a meat locker. And then there was my, my very most favorite training montage of all, which has to be the training montage from Rocky IV. Now, now maybe you remember, those of you, I'm sure you all know the movies like I do, in Rocky IV, in Rocky IV, tragedy strikes. Rocky's good friend, Apollo Creed, is killed in a boxing match with a, a Russian fighter named Ivan Drago. Now, now Ivan Drago is this, this impossibly big, impossibly strong boxer who destroys everyone who gets into the ring with them. And, and after Ivan Drago kills Rocky's friend, Apollo Creed, in this fight, Drago challenges Rocky to a boxing match. And even though Rocky has just watched this man kill his best friend, Rocky can't turn down the challenge. He agrees to the fight. They're going to fight in Russia. And, and so Rocky gets on a plane and he flies to Russia. He moves to a little farmhouse in, in the middle of the Siberian wilderness to train for this fight. And then the music starts to play and we get the greatest training montage in all of the Rocky movies. The movie cuts back and forth between scenes of Rocky getting ready for the fight and Ivan Drago getting ready for the fight. And we see, we see Rocky running through the snow of Siberia. We see Rocky climbing mountains. We see Rocky carrying tree trunks around on his shoulders. I never understood why, but Rocky carries tree trunks around on his shoulders. And then we see Ivan Drago. We see, we see Drago training in a fancy gym with all of this fancy equipment. And we see Ivan Drago. We see him surrounded by press and in the media spotlight. And we see Ivan Drago. We see him running on a treadmill. And we know, we know that Rocky's going to be okay. We know who's going to win this fight because we know how the Rocky movies work, right? In the Rocky movies, the, the winner at the end of the movie is never the bigger fighter. It's never the stronger fighter, never the faster fighter, never, never the fighter who's more technically proficient. In the Rocky movies, only one thing matters, only one thing counts, and that's which boxer has more spirit. Which, which boxer can take a beating and keep getting up? Which boxer can fall to the mat and get to his feet over and over and over again. That's what the Rocky movies have always been about. They've never been about destroying your opponent. They've always, always been about summoning the spirit you need to go the distance to last until the very end. And we know Rocky's going to be okay because we know that you can't find the spirit in a fancy gymnasium. You can't find the spirit on a treadmill. You can't find the spirit in the spotlight. If you want to find the spirit, you've got to go to the wilderness. If you want to find the spirit. You've got to go out into the streets. If you want to find the spirit, you've got to go to a, a dark and grimy place. And, and so we know that Rocky's going to be okay. And at the end of the movie, I don't want to spoil this if you haven't seen it. You've had since like 1989. But, but, uh, but Rocky wins the fight at the end of the movie. He defeats Ivan Drago in front of the entire Soviet Union. And it's, it's you know, it's cheesy. But I love it. I love that movie, Rocky IV. This week's movie, Creed II, picks up that story where Rocky IV leaves off. So, so in this week's movie, Creed II, Rocky, Rocky Balboa is, is older and he's retired from boxing, but he's become a mentor to this younger boxer, this young man named Adonis Creed. 
Adonis Creed is the son of Rocky's friend, Apollo Creed, the one who was killed in, in Rocky IV. And as the movie opens, as the movie begins, we see Adonis Creed winning the most important boxing match of his entire life. As, as the movie opens, Adonis Creed wins the heavyweight champion of the world title. He gets to take home the belt. And, and then he asks his girlfriend to marry him, and she says yes. And so in the space of 24 hours, suddenly Adonis Creed has accomplished everything he set out to accomplish in life. Suddenly he has everything that he's ever wanted. And in this moment, Adonis Creed should be on top of the world. He should be enjoying everything he has worked so hard for. But just at that moment, just at the moment when Adonis Creed has everything he's ever wanted, suddenly a challenger steps forward. A boxer named Victor Drago. Now, Victor Drago is the son of Ivan Drago, the boxer who killed Adonis Creed's father. Victor Drago is, is this impossibly big, impossibly strong fighter who destroys everyone who steps into the ring with him. And he wants to fight Adonis Creed. He wants a shot at the heavyweight title. And, and Adonis Creed, his pride won't let him say no to this fight. Even though this Russian boxer is big and scary, Adonis Creed's pride won't let him say no. And so he agrees to the fight and the music starts playing and we get a training montage and we see Adonis Creed training for this fight. We see Adonis Adonis Creed working out in a fancy gymnasium with all of this fancy equipment. And we see Adonis Creed surrounded by press and in the media spotlight. And we see Adonis Creed running and shadow boxing at the bottom of a swimming pool. And then we see Victor Drago uh, getting ready for this fight. We see Victor Drago running through the streets. We see Victor Drago training in a dark and grimy gymnasium. And we know that Adonis Creed is in trouble because we know that he has hasn't found the spirit that he needs in order to win this fight. They fight, the two men fight, and Victor Drago beats Adonis Creed within an inch of his life. And when Adonis Creed finally gets out of the hospital, he is a broken man. Now, his body has healed, but he's got scars on his soul. His spirit is broken. He, he can't summon the spirit to get out of bed in the morning. He can't summon the spirit to go back to a gym and train. He can't summon the spirit to step back into a boxing ring. He withdraws into himself. He, he pulls away from his family and everyone who loves him, and he takes months. He spends months trying to figure out if he ever wants to box again. Does he want a rematch with Victor Drago? And when Adonis Creed finally decides that, yes, he does want to box again, he does want a rematch, he asks Rocky, Rocky, will you train me? And Rocky, Rocky says, okay, I'll train you, he says, but you can't train the way you trained the last time. And then Rocky takes Adonis Creed to the wilderness. Rocky takes Adonis Creed to this, this place in the desert, way out in the middle of nowhere, where there are all of these lean and hungry-looking boxers who are working out in the, the heat of the desert sun. And Adonis Creed asks Rocky, what, what is this place? And Rocky says, this is a place where, where broken fighters go to get reborn. And then the music starts, and we get a training montage. And we see, we see Adonis Creed out in the desert, pounding on the desert with a sledgehammer. He hits the sand with a sledgehammer over and over and over again, even though he knows that the sand can't feel any pain. And, and then we see Adonis Creed step into the ring with a bigger, stronger fighter, and they both put a foot in an old car tire, and then they start pounding on each other, and the loser is the fighter who steps out of the tire first. And then we see, we see Adonis Creed running through 
this, this, this long desert highway that seems to go nowhere. It just keeps on going and going. He runs along behind Rocky's car on this hot desert blacktop in the sweltering desert sun. And finally, there comes a moment when as he's running behind Rocky's car, suddenly Adonis Creed falls to the ground and he stops moving. And we know, in that moment, we know that Adonis Creed has finally reached the end of himself. He has gone as far as his human power can take him. He has gone as far as his human spirit can take him. We know in that moment we're going to discover if Adonis Creed is able to find that power beyond human power. Can he find that spirit beyond human spirit, that power that that lets us get up again back on our feet after we've already reached the end of ourselves? And there in the car, Rocky turns around and he looks at Adonis lying there on the ground and he whispers, get up, get up, get up. And then slowly as the music plays bit by bit, Adonis Creed gets back onto his feet and he starts running down the highway through the desert again. And we know in that moment, we know that Adonis Creed is going to be okay. He's going to survive his fight, his rematch with Victor Drago because he has gone to the wilderness and he has found the spirit beyond ordinary human spirit. We know that he has learned now how to get up every time, every time he gets knocked down. And according to the rules of how the Rocky movies work, he's he's going to be okay. Adonis Creed in this movie, he goes to the wilderness and he finds the spirit. And that's where we find Jesus in this morning's gospel reading. In today's gospel reading, Jesus is out in the wilderness. Today's reading uh, comes from the Gospel of Mark. Of all of the Gospels in the Bible, the Gospel of Mark is the one that feels the most like a Rocky movie. Now, there, there are four Gospels in the New Testament. There are four books that tell the story of Jesus. And they all tell the same story, basically, just with a little bit of a different twist each time, just like the Rocky movies. In every, in every one of the four Gospels, we find a little bit different picture of who Jesus is, a little bit different take of what Jesus comes into this world to do. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is a philosopher. He's come to shine a light in the darkness. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is a teacher and he's come to show this world a a better way. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is a liberator, come into this world to lift up the downtrodden and oppressed people of this world. But in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is a fighter. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus comes into this world to do battle with the spiritual powers of this world. And, And the Gospel of Mark moves fast. And all through the Gospel of Mark, if you read it, you'll discover that Jesus is constantly under attack. He is constantly challenged by demons. He is constantly confronted by lawyers. He is constantly surrounded by religious leaders and government officials who want to kill him, who want to find a a way, a reason, an excuse to put him to death. And, And there is this word that the Gospel of Mark keeps using over and over and over again. Suddenly, suddenly Jesus was confronted by a man who had a demon. Jesus cast out the demon. Suddenly, Jesus was confronted by a lawyer who wanted to ask him a question. Jesus out-argued the lawyer. Suddenly, Jesus was surrounded, surrounded by religious leaders and government authorities who wanted to put him to death. And as we read the Gospel of Mark, every time the Gospel of Mark uses that word, suddenly, you can almost hear the bell that signals the start of another round. The Gospel of Mark is just one spiritual battle, one spiritual test after another for Jesus. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus goes the full 15 rounds with the spiritual powers of this world. But before he does that, before Jesus does any of those things in the Gospel of Mark, what do we find right at the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark? 
We get a training montage. Now, Jesus, Jesus knows that before he can do battle with the spiritual powers of this world, he needs to prepare himself. He needs to train. He needs to get himself ready. And so Jesus goes out, and he finds a mentor. He finds a coach. He goes to, to John the baptizer. And he has John the baptizer plunge him under the waters of the River Jordan. Jesus is baptized by John there in the River Jordan. But Jesus knows, Jesus knows that he can't go into battle with the spiritual powers of this world if the only training that he has done happens at the bottom of a swimming pool. Jesus knows that if he wants to find the spirit he needs in order to defeat the spiritual powers of this world, then he's got to go where? He's got to go into the wilderness. And so Jesus goes into the wilderness. And the Bible tells us that there in the wilderness, Jesus fasts for 40 days. For 40 days, he doesn't eat a thing. Jesus fasts until he reaches the end of himself, until he reaches the end of his human power. And the Bible tells us that there in the wilderness, Jesus is tested by Satan. For 40 days, Jesus has this voice whispering in his ear. Maybe you've heard that voice too. It's the voice that says, why are you doing this? Why do, you, why do you put yourself through this? Why don't you just give up? Why don't you go find a sandwich? Why don't you go find someplace where there's shade? Why don't you just lie down and, and give up? Why are you putting yourself through all of this? And there in the wilderness, Jesus is surrounded by wild beasts. The wilderness is a, a place of danger. And Jesus knows that if he ever falls down to the pavement and stops moving, it won't be long before the buzzards and the jackals are on top of him. And there in the wilderness, Mark's gospel tells us, the angels wait upon Jesus. And I don't know what that means. But when the Gospel of Mark tells us that the angels wait upon Jesus, in my mind, I picture Rocky turned around in that car whispering, Get up, get up. Get up. Maybe even Jesus in the wilderness needed somebody to tell him, get up, get up, get up. Jesus goes into the wilderness. He reaches the end of himself, and then he discovers a power beyond human power. He finds a spirit beyond human spirit. Jesus, Jesus finds within himself something greater, something greater than just human flesh can provide. And by the time Jesus comes out of the wilderness, he has learned how to lean on the power of God's Holy Spirit. When Jesus comes out of the wilderness, he is filled with the power of God. God's Holy Spirit. And that's why in the Gospel of Mark, every time the world knocks Jesus down, he is able to get up again. The Spirit keeps picking him up. When the demons knock him down, God's Spirit picks Jesus up. When the lawyers challenge him, God's Spirit gives Jesus the courage to step into the ring with the lawyers. When the, the religious leaders and the government authorities lay Jesus down in the grave, even then, God's Spirit picks him up. The thing that we learn in the Gospel of Mark is that this world can tear us down. This world can break our bodies. This world can leave scars on our soul. This world can suck the human spirit out of us, but God's spirit can never be broken. And those who have God's spirit within them can never be laid so low by this world that God's spirit can't pick us back up. Even, even death, even death can't keep us down. Now, some of you maybe have been in the wilderness. Some of you maybe know what the wilderness is like. I know there are people here in this church who have been through the wilderness just recently. I know there are people in this congregation, there are people here today who have been walking through the wilderness of, of depression. There are people in the congregation here today who have been walking through the wilderness of loneliness. There are people in the congregation here today who have been walking through the wilderness of disappointment, of, of wondering about your self-worth, of discouragement and hopelessness. There are people walking through the wilderness 
wilderness of divorce and unemployment. There are people right here today walking through the wilderness of addiction. There are people here today who know what it's like to go into the wilderness and reach the end of yourself. And maybe, maybe some of you who have been through the wilderness just recently could use an extra dose of God's Holy Spirit. And we believe that the same spirit Jesus encountered in the wilderness, the same spirit that filled Jesus through his ministry, the spirit that gave him the power to get up over and over again, even when this world put him in the grave, that same Holy Spirit is here with us today all around us and within us, and it will fill us and it will pick us up if only we open our hearts and invite it in. And so before we finish today, I want to I give you an opportunity to breathe deeply, to breathe in God's Holy Spirit. Here's what we're going to do. As Alan, as Alan plays and as we sing the, the next hymn or two, we're we're going to open up the altar rail. And if anybody could use a, an extra dose of God's Holy Spirit, if you feel like you're at that point where you're out of breath and about to fall to the pavement, we invite you this morning to come forward. And we will be down here, Pastor Christie and I and maybe some other people, will be down here at the front of the church to, to lay hands on you and to pray, to pray that you will be filled with God's Holy Spirit before you leave this, before you leave this place today, that you will find a power beyond ordinary human power, something to carry you through whatever it is, whatever it is that you're going through. If you want to kneel, then you can kneel. If you can't kneel, then just stand. That's fine. But we invite you as we sing this last song, if you feel like you could use a little bit of extra breath, a little bit of extra power right now in your life, we invite you to come forward. Alan, are you ready? Where's Alan? Alan, go ahead and cue up the next hymn. Pull out your hymnals. Pull out your hymnals. Stand as you're able. Let's sing, and the altar rail is open. If anybody wants to come forward, we invite you to come. Come on, church, let's sing.